think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. here on Purple Insider, Matthew Collar, along with Jonathan Harrison. And uh, we've got Justin Jefferson talking about how he wants the ball thrown his way. And uh, we've got a football game to preview. One of the rare times that we will ever have a game to preview on uh, Tuesday night that the Vikings are playing in. But that is what we have for Vikings and Eagles. So let me ask you a question, Jonathan. Where would you like to start? Would you like to start the show by talking about whether Vikings fans would be in the right to hate Philadelphia or about Justin Jefferson's quote about getting the ball? Where would you like to begin? You want to go uh, controversy or do you want to go uh, whether these two teams are actual rivals? What do you want to discuss first? I say let's go controversy. Let's get it started off with the hottest subject that we can go here on Hot Routes. So you mean Justin Jefferson? Absolutely. Let's do that. Let's jump oh, into that one. Okay. All right. So I have the uh, quote from Justin Jefferson today. Now I was talking with Brian Flores as this happened. So I have the quote via Jeff Wald from Fox 9 here. He tweeted out. This is from Justin Jefferson. He said, I didn't feel like they took me out of the game in the second half. Uh, just the ball didn't come my way. I feel I wasn't really covered much in the second half to where I couldn't get the ball. It's just many different people that got to execute their plays before I get the chance to get the ball. Um, so there's a few little things in there. Uh, number one, hey, uh, everyone, Justin was open. Justin needs to get the ball. And then there's a lot of different players who need to execute their plays before I could get the ball. Meaning who like five fat guys. Is that who you're referring to? Are you referring to, I mean, right. Because yeah. and also, you know, of course the play call has to go his way and the quarterback has to look his way, but, it felt to me like that was a little more directing at there's a lot of people that have to do their job in protecting Kirk. so He could throw me the football. And, you know, the one thing about Justin Jefferson that I don't want to do is to say, oh, he's calling for the ball. It's Terrell Owens and Keyshawn Johnson all over again. Throw me the dang ball like that, you know, but Jefferson has always been, not so quiet about throw Jefferson the ball, please. And yeah. I think he's right in the same way that Stefan Diggs was right, except for Jefferson does it in a much more subtle way, I think, than uh, Diggs. But I was just watching the film back, uh, Jonathan, and I saw a play where Kirk checked down to Alexander Madison and Jefferson was running a deep hitch. So probably like, or comeback, whatever they call it. So, but you know what, what I'm saying? So he runs like 12, 14 yards, slams on the brakes, flips around and is like football, please on time. One-on-one -on -one, playing off coverage, perfect look. And the check down goes to Alexander Madison for three yards. And I just see at the end of the all 22 film, an arm go like this as like, why was that football not going to me? And I, I'm just, I'm going to say this. When you look at his fantasy numbers from that game, you go like, well, that was a dominant Jefferson game. Like what a game, yeah. what a game, but you know what? Upon further review, no, they did not throw it to Justin Jefferson enough. It could have been more. It should have been more. And even though I'm not putting anyone in Justin Jefferson jail because he was targeted enough that I think the rule is 10 targets. If it's less than 10, yep. then someone has to go to jail. But in this case, you only had two drives in the second half. You gained six yards, and I don't know that any throws went to Justin Jefferson out of those plays on those two drives. If there are two drives in a row where Justin Jefferson is not targeted, jail. Someone should go to jail. 
If you have to punt three and out and none of those plays went to Jefferson jail. I mean, it is unacceptable to have had two drives in the fourth quarter, go three and out and him be no part of this. There is no time ever in any Vikings game where he shouldn't be part of this. And I know they double team him and I know they rush the passer. And I know Kevin O'Connell loves a tight end screen. Like I love taco bell, but (laughs) to make sure you are never going two drives in a row without targeting Justin Jefferson, without finding him for a reception, without making plays, because I am going to tell you something. The Minnesota Vikings have one chance to beat Philly. They have one chance to beat the Chargers. They have one chance to beat Kansas City. They have one chance to beat the San Francisco 49ers. That chance is throwing the freaking ball to Justin Jefferson in all and any big situations that arise. And and there should never be halves where he's not getting targeted. I don't care how many drives you get. Throw him the ball. Always and forever. That's it. That's the whole thing. And you know what? I watched the Miami game. Tyreek Hill just kept Jeff's kept getting the ball. Like there is, there is, this is a league where you could just keep throwing the ball to the best player, find a way. And I think the the standards for Jefferson jail have now changed where if there's two drives in a row and you punt Jefferson jail, someone goes to jail because that that's just, a, that's just absurd. I, yeah. I, when I looked back at it, I was like, how did this even happen? How did you even go two drives where you gained six yards? I don't think I was upset enough about it after the game. I was just like, Wow, that was a weird game. And yeah, they lost. They really should have won. But then when I went back and looked at it, I was like, he's right. He's right. And, you know, if he gets more agitated along the way, he might be saying a little bit more. All right. Maybe I'll tell him about it. I'll be like, I've created laws. (laughs) I won't actually tell him about it, but he knows. Am I wrong to think that you're – your rule of if you don't throw him the ball at least once every other drive is still a little bit light. He should be seeing the ball retarded at least every drive. I mean, he's, he's the reason this offense will succeed. As you said, the Vikings have one chance to beat all these really good teams and it's Justin Jefferson going off because we saw the running game isn't really going to do much uh, for you. And you're going to need Justin Jefferson to open up things for everybody else. It's like the old school thought of how the run game opens up everything else. No, Justin Jefferson in this offense will open up everything for everybody else because if he's on fire, teams are going to start double teaming him. That's going to open up targets and space for uh, TJ Hawkinson, for KJ Osborne, for Jordan Addison to run free and find find an opening to catch the ball. And it's going to open up space because defenders are going to push back trying to stop the ball being passed. It's going to open up space for the run game. Justin Jefferson needs to be a target. Every single drive. I'm not saying every single play. This isn't Randy Ratio territory, but it's getting pretty close with how much this offense should rely on Justin Jefferson and what they should be doing. Because as you said, Tyree Kill seemed to be getting the ball or be targeted pretty much all the time. 15 targets in that game, 215 yards, 11 receptions, two touchdowns. The fact that Justin Jefferson didn't have something similar when he had the first half that he had when he had nine catches in the first or in the game and what two of them came in the second half alone. Like that's just, you can't have, you can't have a second half where Justin Jefferson completely disappears and is the only reason why your offense was staying, staying competitive with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Sunday when your defense was playing well in the first half, the the Vikings got out of shape in the second half and they continue to just not target Justin Jefferson. And yeah, I don't blame him for making those comments. That's a little nervous wracking if you're a Vikings fan, if he's making those comments already in week one. But I completely understand why he's making those comments because he doesn't have a contract again or a contract extension. He clearly is playing to get even more money and he's going to need more targets to do that. So yeah, he's going to get frustrated when he doesn't get the ball and he deserve he has every right to be as frustrated as he was after that game. Second half of the game, they ran, let's see, 16 plays and then three and then three. So that would be 22 plays and three of them, three of them involved Justin Jefferson. Not enough, not enough. And it feels greedy to look at those box score stats in the first half and say, 
Well, he had seven catches for a hundred something yards. I mean, my gosh, like you can't ask for much more in a game. And yes, there are adjustments that the defense is making and so forth. And I understand all that, but it's, it, and it feels strange to talk about a game like that and say he didn't get the ball enough. But when I went back and looked, I really thought that that was the case. And they threw him a quick pass where he got like five or six yards and they didn't do that again. I thought, you know, maybe do that again. And he had a seven yard reception and they didn't go back to him. And, and here's another thing, too. O'Connell talked about after the game about how. You know, it's good that we distribute the ball to a lot of places because there's a lot of attention on Jefferson. And, you know, that's how our offense is probably going to be. And that really sounds wonderful. It sounds glorious, like a, a target distribution utopia where everybody gets a target. Uh, it's wonderful. But I don't want it to be that way. I want them to throw it to Jefferson all the time. And then when they're forced to somebody else in, in like the uh, Jordan Addison, you know, touchdown, I, of course, I'm not saying force the ball to him every time, but that over his career, there has been a theme of, Hey, in the second half, he was great. But in the first half, they couldn't find him. Or in the first half, he was great. Second half, he mm -hmm. gets shut down. And I just don't think that's because of him. And I didn't think it was because of him. And he didn't think it was because of him. I, I would not overreact because of, of course, every time he's ever been asked about being thrown the ball, he says, yes, <laughs> throw me the ball more <laughs> like every wide receiver does. But the last thing you want is Justin Jefferson to come out of that game irritated. And the mm -hmm. really last thing you want is to come out of Philadelphia with Justin Jefferson irritated. And I truly believe that the only chance that they have to win the game is with Justin Jefferson. I would also like to say, that the comment section just came out like on fire. They, yeah, the absolutely. Vikings offense, Vikings offense didn't come out fast, but you guys did. Uh, Jeff says, uh, by no means did he get the ball enough. Uh, like that's absolutely true. Um, uh, let's see, F keep feeding him the ball. I uh, should have had Tyreek numbers. That's definitely true. Uh, 44 Rhino man says, is this the moment where we point to the beginning of there's truth to all rumors part two? I, I just am not, like, that's a thing that I don't want to go there until I feel like, uh oh, it went there. So I'm mm -hmm. not going to predict that it does. But what I would say is if this thing starts to get out of hand early in the season, after, you know, this loss, you have to wonder, okay, is it going to be two? Is it going to be three? Is it going to be four in the first five weeks or something like that? I don't think Carolina can beat anybody, but, uh, <laughs> you know, if it's, if it's, I shouldn't say that because the Vikings have a, have a way, but, uh, you know, if it gets out of hand a little, like after, after this game, there's already some little snark there. Like, what's it going to look like after that? Uh, Dustin says Taco Bell and Justin Jefferson is my love language. <laughs> if we ever make I mean, merch, that has to be on a shirt. It, it really should. And then uh, Jefferson's head could be a taco or something. Um, <laughs> CJ says Jefferson jail needs to be an ongoing theme. Well, I, I, for your guys sake, I hope it's not. I mean, it shouldn't yeah. be. And, and look, there are games where, he's not going to catch 10 passes, but it's really not about the actual numbers so much as a continual driving force to the offense. And I think that years ago, it was really difficult to do in the NFL where you had one guy who was a receiver who could just keep being the offense. But as you look around the league, I think that it's very possible these days to have that happen. I agree with Matt. JJ has to lead the league in targets. There's no excuse not to. Mm -hmm. uh, CJ says there's no excuse. Say what you will about Randy ratio. But I think Mike Tice was just saying the quiet part out loud. Absolutely. Uh, Jason asks, is the Brian O'Neill restructure a sign they will bring someone in? I don't know. But I will say um, if... It, Dalton Reisner needs me to buy him a plane ticket. I can expense that. So, <laughs> I, you know, if he needs to come out to MSP, plenty of flights, always coming in from all cities. Uh, so maybe there is something to that. Um, so I don't, I don't like want to keep banging this drum to the point where it becomes ridiculous about Jefferson. But I just thought after looking back at the game and what he said, it was very fair. And uh, if you need to force him the ball, force him the ball, but I'm not sure they have a quarterback who's going to. And it seems that they also have a head coach who got a little cute in this game. Uh, I don't know. I, Jonathan, what did you think? I got, I got a lot of questions about that. And I, until I watched the film, I didn't really know what to think. And after I did, I was like, 
Yeah. You know, trying to sneak CJ Ham out for a little slip screen or whatever. It's like, no, stop that. Yeah. If yeah, you but- if you think to yourself, CJ Ham, then go like Justin Jefferson. That that <laughs> like, you know, like I just want to put a translator in there. In the in like in the thing that they call in the plays, he's like, Oh, throw it to CJ Ham. And in the phone fo- phone, it goes Jefferson. Like that's what I want. That's what I want to happen. If I never see a tight end screen from this offense again, I will die a happy man because it has not, it did not work last year and it has not worked through one game of this year. Uh, I just don't understand why they keep going to that. And maybe there's an actual reason for it, but every time it seems that they try it, it just doesn't seem to work. But, and as to your, to your question about what I thought about the offense, I thought in the first half, it looked, it looked serviceable. It was great because you're getting the ball to Justin Jefferson, but in the second half, you couldn't sustain drives. You went three and out too many times and just felt like things. I don't know what I never, I didn't watch the film back like you have. So I, I can't really place a finger on what exactly happened, but it just felt like it became very disjointed. Things just weren't working. Uh, and obviously the offensive line was breaking down because injuries and whatnot, but it just felt like there was too many things that just started. They, they, I don't know. It's hard to say. It's, you watch the film back, so you'll be able to tell it, tell it better. But the tight end screens always stuck, stick out to me that they just never work in this offense for some reason. And the fact that the running game just never seemed to get going and they struggled with that really hurt it. And it felt like they were trying to force that to happen when you didn't need to. When Justin Jefferson was playing as well as he was, just ignore everything else and continue feeding him the ball. And maybe everything else starts working after you get after you continue to feed Justin Jefferson. I think after the game, I focused a lot on the run game and how they need to get that going and so forth. And look, no one goes to jail if you run for 200 yards and Jefferson only gets a couple targets and you win the game. So you're not going to, no one's going to criticize you for that. But I thought when it was clear, the run game was not going to happen. They obviously can't completely bail on it. They're going to stick with it. But there were just some choices in there that I, when you only have 22 second half plays, well, you're going to have to have more of them go to that guy than they did. So, um, but you know, it's an interesting observation from uh, high times KG first time. I felt like JJ got into the me over we, and I agree that he needs the rock. <laughs> now this is a point. I mean, so, you know, you asked me the other day, if I thought that like this thing could get ugly between Jefferson and the Vikings. And I think, I don't know. I mean, he's been as professional as it comes and so forth. And the thing about Justin Jefferson is he could say the most selfish thing when you write it down in words, but when you're there, you're like, Oh, he's just sort of being honest. Like he's a, he's a very earnest sort of question answerer. Like, you know, who was like, this was uh, Adrian Peterson where you could ask him anything and he would just kind of give you like whatever was on his mind. And so sometimes it's going to come off like he in, when you read it or in writing a little different than how he said it. So I will, I will give that to Jefferson. Um, And and it's not the first time he said like, yeah, they need to keep getting me the ball because he was frustrated in 2021 as well. And anytime he's not leading the NFL in targets, he's going to be, you know, unhappy. And he's going to just like Diggs, like he's going to think that he should be the reason to win the game. If they win, you will not hear him say this. That is the thing. You won't hear him say you need to give me the ball more if they win the game. I've never heard him say that after a win, but that contract thing will linger. I mean, it it just, there's like a little bit of a cloud there. It's not something that's on everybody's mind all the time, but it's just this little bit of extra edge to when a throw isn't made or a tight game isn't won. It's just like a little bit of like, they wouldn't even pay me and they won't throw me the ball. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. um, you don't know anything about this because I pay you an exorbitant amount of money, Jonathan, but maybe, <laughs> maybe at some point in your career, and we won't point fingers. You may have been underpaid somewhere in your career. You may have been underpaid. I don't know where, but, um, you know what it's like though, when you feel like you're not getting that appreciation, there's a little more of a, what well, you know, an attitude. And mm-hmm. I guess I wonder now if it will linger, but it's one game. It's just the start of the season. It's just kind of one off comment, but it, it just, I understand why every Vikings fan, when this stuff comes up, they just, the antennas just shoot up. You start looking for everything enough times. Yeah. Yeah, You start start looking at the body language on the field. Anytime you read something, anytime you watch press conference and you hear something, it's like, Oh, there's another one. It's going to happen. It just, it's, we've gone through this enough in this state with 
these with these high with these with these great athletes that just they get they get sick and tired of just not winning and they want to go elsewhere and they don't get paid and whatnot everything leads to it and they end up just leaving and we've been through this enough where we can kind of start to read those tea leaves even if they're not actually there we can start to we can we can start to see this stuff or we start making it up in our minds and that might be some of it with Justin Jefferson but there also might be a reality i mean some of the ways he at least for one of the questions today that he answered it was very clear that he's like i'm just i'm just here to play football and he didn't want to answer the contract question anymore because it's the season it should have been done this should have, should have been a thing that they got done on that saturday or even before that preferably uh but it should have been done before the season hit and he knows it the vikings should should dang well know it vikings fans all know it everybody was saying pay the man it's pretty obvious you pay the guy and you move on you don't worry about what you're going to pay him because he's earned it i mean and i he has every right to be upset that they didn't get him the contract now i mean is it is it earlier than what is normal by going two years early absolutely but as he said, what last week, his situation's different. He's done stuff that no other person in this league has ever done or probably will do for a very long time because he's just that special. And you make you you bend over backwards to make him happy and can keep him here because he knows his worth. Everybody's telling him his worth, everybody's saying his worth. You pay him that worth. And the Vikings just didn't do that for some reason. And we'll see what happens next offseason, but that will definitely linger. Uh, whether we like it or not, it's going to be there every time he doesn't get the ball, every time they lose a game, because we know he hates losing more than anything on this planet. And if they continue to lose, if they miss the playoffs again, that will linger and he will be angry about it. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In case you missed it last week, folks, we are starting a brand new segment on the show using the website and the app for prize picks. If you haven't heard of it before, it's super simple. You just pick more or less between two and six player stat projections for that week. And that's it. Now you're playing. Unfortunately for me, I only went one for three last week with Jordan Love getting more than 212 yards. And I was a little foolish in thinking that Kirk Cousins wouldn't have to throw a lot versus Tampa Bay. I got that wrong. But if you think you can outperform me, and you probably can if you're good at games like this, it's time to give it a shot. Go to prizepicks.com purple and use the code purple for a first deposit match up to $100. That is prizepicks.com purple use the code purple for a first deposit match up to $100. One of the reasons I really like prize picks is that I didn't have to take out a second mortgage to play this game and make it part of the show. You could turn $10 into 250 with just a few taps. That's prizepicks.com slash purple with the code purple daily fantasy sports made easy. Yeah, that's it's part of the sort of unintended consequence of not getting it done where I've said, hey, you know, be patient and there's time to get this done and everything else. But that tension, that is something that you can't really anticipate if things don't roll. If they roll, then no one will bring it up. If they beat Philly, if they beat the Chargers, they're two and one with two great wins and everybody's back on track. But if they don't. Then the finger pointing, the unhappiness starts to pop up. And that's why I've always sort of said your locker room culture is only as good as your win loss record. And that has always been my experience. That has always been my experience. I heard a GM, uh, this is in the WNBA, 
for the Phoenix Mercury say our team may be nine and 29 this year, but we like each other more than some teams that are 29 and nine. And I was like, that is the biggest sports lie I've ever heard in my entire <laughs> life. There is absolutely no way that's the case. No way, because your culture in your locker room is almost always just your win loss record. And it was the case last year and already one loss by three points that should it's, it's almost funny because they, they've reacted to the loss almost worse than the outside world. Who's willing to be like, well, you can overcome this. So it's a long season, but there's been a lot of like little jabs at the offensive line and things like that. And you start to go, all right, are they feeling a little shaky after that? I don't think in any world they expected to lose that game. And I think it was a shock that they did. Uh, Duke, the God uh, says, or Doug God, sorry, uh, says uh, that look on the bench at the end of the game disturbed me deep down. I will never forget watching Diggs walk off the field in San mm-hmm. Francisco. Last guy off the field. I knew it was over. Like this guy's not coming back after, uh, after that. So I don't think it was quite that dire, but there's a little, there's just little like, okay, we'll, we'll see where this goes. Um, but you know, there's no, <laughs> I'm sorry. There's some comments that I can't put on the screen that are quite funny. Uh, <laughs> so I don't mean to just, uh, Laugh out loud randomly. Uh, High Times KG says KOC's play calling is a little funky. I think he's out scheming himself. Yeah, I think that's actually the way I I, I like that description. Funky. Like sometimes there's just no reason to throw a slip screen to the fullback. There just, there really isn't. Um, Will says, where was all the pre-snap motion? Seemed pretty vanilla. So early in the game, it seemed like there was a lot, like they had, kind of set it up that way. And there was a lot of different personnel packages. And this is what I was a little concerned about going into the season. And again, I don't want to act like everything was a failure in the first game, but the thing I I sort of kept saying and wondering was if you're going to try to be Stefanski or Kubiak, can you really do it if that's not your game? And there were a couple plays where they're, you know, putting ham on the field and Josh Oliver and Hawkinson, and they're moving some people around and stuff. And then the play just gets blown up by Vita Vea. And it's like, <laughs> I don't know that this is really your, your thing. Uh, okay. This is a funny comment. See uh, from Matt, CJ ham is a dog on fullback runs. He's not supposed <laughs> to be Santonio Holmes in the passing game. Yeah. When he dropped, when he dropped the ball, that was one normally he catches, but, um, you know, even just, uh, yeah, I just think like, okay, maybe there was a little too much of that, a little too much moving things around and, you know, everything else. So, um, yeah, th- I, I think that it's always been a little bit of a Kevin O'Connell thing where he's got to let us know that he came up with some stuff and yeah. sometimes it's just like a couple times a game. He's got to let us know. He came up with some stuff for this week. You don't have to come up with some stuff like Aaron Rodgers, RIP. And Devonte Adams, they had this thing where Aaron Rodgers would just be like, "Hey, come over here, run a little out, and I'll throw it to your back shoulder or something, and we'll get twelve yards." Boom! Like, and they would just do it all the time. Yep. Like, yes, there you go. That's that's what we're talking about. Um, so you know, you'd like to see more s- simplicity sometimes when it seems like there's this attempt to kind of over scheme. But of course, you know, if the CJ Ham slip screen had led to a touchdown, I guess I would have said it was amazing. Uh, anyway, breaks my heart to have to criticize CJ. Uh, 44 Rhino Man says, I don't know if you broke down this comment, but JJ saying all I can do is play football, and that's what I want to continue to do. I know uh, my team doesn't care about the contract, and I don't either. Well, he does. He, what he wants out of an answer like that is please stop for the love of God asking me about the contract. (laughs) That's, that's what he wants. Of course, of course he cares. Uh, You know, of course he cares. And he wouldn't have said, I've done things in this league that no one else is doing if he didn't care at all. So, Mm -hmm. you know, um, Lee says non quarterbacks, first round picks rarely get extended after three years. Can't you two figure that out? I don't know. Can I? Well, so. But here's here's my question. Well, one is the actually the offensive linemen on the Bucks they did um, Tristan Wirfs. So there's one. The other thing is then why were they negotiating until the final hour? Then why can't I figure this out? Why <laughs> why can't they were negotiating until literally the final hour, my man? Both sides wanted this. They just couldn't get it done. When you're as special as Justin like, Jefferson, you break the rules. I'm sorry, you just do. I mean well, everybody. But yeah, sorry, as, 
but as you're saying, yeah, they they were negotiating. Clearly, it was tr- they were trying to get this to happen, even if you know he's a non-quarterback first-round pick. Uh, so there's a rule there, I guess, against it. But you know, he's he's done things, as he said, he knows his value. His agent knows his value. Everybody who watches football knows his value and knows that okay, there may be a rule or there may be this thing where teams don't negotiate for for a non-first-round quarterback. Uh, after three years, but Justin Jefferson, he is the exception to that rule. You break it and you move on and don't even think about it twice because you, he deserves the contract and you pay him and you keep him in this team for as long as you can, because as long as he's here, this team, they'll have a successful offense if they keep feeding him the ball. Yeah. And I am also the one who's come on here night after night and said like, look, there's no reason to panic over this. I said that the panic level with him not signing is a three out of 10. It's because you have all this other time to get this done. But the question that we're talking about is not whether they should have got it done, which probably should have. Uh, It's really more about like his comments today and whether this will linger and some unhappiness will exist and some tension will exist throughout the season because of it. If they don't win in Philadelphia, it feels like a win in Philadelphia would just make everything go away. And you'd be like, happy times onto the chargers season on whatever. But if that doesn't happen, then you wonder about, you know, the, the finger pointing and the unhappiness and the tension and all those things that we've seen in previous years. And so, and, and again, like they, they want both sides wanted a deal to get done. So there wasn't any like, Oh, we'll negotiate next year or whatever from either side. And uh, Curtis asks how much of this is the media constantly bringing up his contract. And it doesn't matter to him as much as people think. I promise you it matters to him as much as people think. W- Let me just ask you a lot of money. I don't know how it couldn't matter. To Do him. you know how much $100 million is <laughs> like take some money out of your wallet, count it up, and divide it by a hundred million dollars. And that's what then the fig, picture how much it would be in your house if you had it. It'd fill up your whole house. It matters. It matters. He wants to be the highest paid in the league. He deserves to be the highest paid in the league. It, it's it's gonna happen at some point. And it's just working out the details of it. But the answer is like, yeah, I mean, he wanted to get that done for sure. Um, so anyway, well, let's let's talk about some other things and not entirely his contract when there is a game coming up soon. And uh we have to answer this question because <laughs> my email inbox, my DMs, they're they're on fire. They are burning to the ground. Uh, Hell James asks, if we don't start winning games and Zach Wilson sucks, which is very likely, uh, is there a chance we trade Kirk to the Jets? You want to take this one, Jonathan? What are the Jets going to trade you? They kind of gave everything up to get Aaron Rodgers. I mean, they don't really they have... trade a first or a second is my understanding. Yeah, and then yeah, because those are tied up with the unconditional picks. Now they can go back to Green Bay and try and renegotiate it where they can free one of those up, but that's obviously going to come at a cost. And I don't think Green Bay is going to be okay with saying, okay, yeah, we'll just pass on potentially getting that first round pick. They're going to want that first round pick. I'm sorry. That's just how it is. So you're not, I don't know. The Jets aren't going to be able to give you much for Kirk Cousins. I mean, if it's just about getting getting him out of here, fine, but we're really going to rely on Nick Mullins for the rest of the season and hope that J- Justin Jefferson, like we were just talking about, is going to remain happy. I mean, that's not going to happen. So I don't think Kirk Cousins, I can almost guarantee Kirk Cousins won't be traded unless just hell freezes over and everything just starts burning to the ground. But its I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, I think um, the the scenario is very narrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Vikings would have to be like one in five maybe two and four, but even then with their schedule after two and four, they could still probably make the playoffs depending on how the NFC is. They have to be out of it, out of it by the trade deadline. And the jets also have to be in it by the trade deadline. And if they go sign Carson Wentz or something and they're playing Zach Wilson and they play Dallas, I think, what do they play? Kansas city or something like they've got a hard schedule and you know, if they lose a bunch of games, they're also not going to be like, oh, let's trade more draft capital. I don't even know the cap situations and whether it's possible to fit Kirk under their cap. I guess you can do anything if you really, really want to. Jets have so 9.8 million in cap space right now. 
Okay, so they have to make over $10 million somehow in order to fit Kirk. I guess maybe. I don't even know if the Vikings could take any of that because they already restructured his deal. So there's a lot of complications there. There's a very, very narrow set of circumstances where it comes up. But we are not close to that yet. And if we are, then we'll talk. Like, we'll see. We'll see. But I I don't. I've gotten that question literally 100 times. And I think whatever what everybody's looking for is... or. I shouldn't say what everyone is when you lose a game like you lose in week one, I think, and it looks the way that it did, which was, Oh, this kind of looks like always you start to go. I wonder about that future of ours. <laughs> and yeah. I just don't think that they're going to take this leap into the future and into the tank and all that stuff, unless they absolutely have to. And if they absolutely have to, then maybe it gets considered. But also, like, um, you, uh, going along with your your very narrow window, if the Jets are doing well to the point where they're still in the playoffs, that would most likely mean that Zach Wilson's doing fine, so why would they move on from him? I mean, is if he's doing fine and continuing to succeed in that offense, in that division, in that conference, with the schedule they have early on, are the Jets really going to move on from him for Kirk Cousins for a year? I just don't, like, it just doesn't make sense to me. If they're doing well, why would they add Kirk Cousins when they've got a quarterback who's already playing well? Why why disrupt disrupt what's working? If it's not broken, don't fix it. What was uh, your favorite Jets quarterback name that got brought up? And that can be real or fake. Oh, uh, I mean, obviously Tom Brady. I mean, that's got to be it's got to be the best. I mean, I love Peyton and Eli talking about it on the Manning cast and Manning or Peyton's like, yeah, I think Tom Brady, the Jets has got to be illegal, right? <laughs> you never know, but Tom did look a thing put in the ring of honor or whatever for the page. I actually don't know what the honor was. I don't know if it was that or something else, but they were celebrating Brady before the game. And I don't know that he looked like he was ready to play, but the, I mean, I said, Ray Lucas and Kellen Clement backs names. A lot of Vinny Testaverdes came up, uh, Chad Pennington. We talked about a little bit last night on the show. I, I, I mean, I just, I love like people just bringing up Ryan Fitzpatrick and Glenn Foley used to play for them a long time ago. Rick Meyer. I mean, what a history. There's just no team that has a more other than the bears that has a more grotesque history of quarterbacks <laughs> than the New York jets is it is gnarly. So I don't see that scenario happening anytime soon, but man, if it does, then wow, will we have some really fun live streams after that, won't we? <laughs> so I want to ask you a question. I put it in the headline and haven't gotten to it yet because of the uh, discussion here. Um, wait a minute. Wait a minute. When did I say, so High Times KG says a couple weeks ago, you said the offensive line was not bad. Do you still feel that way? Uh, not, not bad, maybe different from what I said, which was figure it out. You know what it's going to be. You've known what it's going to be. Figure it out. And you know what they didn't do? Didn't figure it out. So that was the point. I didn't say they weren't bad. Uh, do you hate Do you hate the Philadelphia Eagles, Jonathan? I don't hate the Eagles. I just am annoyed by their fans. I think, uh, as as you asked the question, I think I don't think Vikings fans should. I mean, yeah, they beat you. They beat the Vikings, and they kind of whooped up on them in 2017 and last year as well. But I think there's a, there's a lot of hate towards their fans because uh, the personalities between the two cities and states, very different. It's oil and water between Philadelphia fans and Minnesota fans. And those two just do not mix uh, pretty much everything that the Vikings, Vikings fans are. Uh, Philadelphia isn't and everything that Vi Philadelphia fans are. The aggressive, uh, in-your-face style. It just doesn't seem like that's the that's obviously not the Minnesota thing. So I think there's just a lot of hate towards that, and that ends up going on to the Eagles as a team because tribalism and whatnot. So I think there's there's a lot of hate for the fans, and that just ends up being placed on the team itself. Yeah, I think uh, when it comes to Philadelphia, it's been a lot of battling over the last few years. They've played each other a ton of times. Um, obviously, 2017, we don't have to discuss and upset yep. everyone. But 2018, Kirk played, I think, one of his best games. And same with 2019. Kirk was great in both of those games. Got two straight wins against the Eagles when they were kind of fading after the Super Bowl run. And then the last time they played them in Philly last year, it was a real 
you know, punch in the mouth with the interceptions and Darius Slay playing the way he did, Jefferson not having a big game, and you know, all those things. I think that when you go back to 2017 and the way that the fans acted in the in the parking lot, I've yeah. never seen anything like that as I, as we walked through the parking lot, seeing, you know, just the level of abuse taken far beyond what you would ever expect. But you know, we, I remember Judd and I being on the air and we were warning people, like, if you're going, don't wear your purple. Like, yeah, yeah, you might get hurt. And people are like, oh, you know, it's fine and whatever. And, and like, this isn't like other places. And it's kind of yep. what they're known for. And that ramps it up a, a level and, you know, that kind of thing. But the Philadelphia Eagles football team and organization, I don't feel like there's really any bad blood between these two teams. I, I think it's nope. been, you know, some some back and forth battles over the years. And of course, they got the best one with the Super Bowl. And I also think you look at them as what you'd like to be. Like you look at their defensive line, you go, that would be nice. And yeah. you look at their offensive line and you go, that would be nice. And you look at their front office. And I know Kwesi Dafomensa has talked about really admiring Howie Roseman and the way their front office has handled things. And maybe they're trying to emulate some of the things that they do, but it's the premier front office in the NFL. I yeah. mean, they had, they built a Super Bowl team with Carson Wentz and then they tore it down and built another one with some of the pieces carrying over, but not a ton of them and just built it again. And they built it the same way through the offensive and defensive lines and then, of course, through the weapons. Remember, they had uh, Torrey Smith. They had, I forget, there was another receiver that they brought in that that helped them in 2017. Like, they they have always been multiple weapons, huge people inside, fill in the rest of the pieces, fill in the running backs, even fill in the defensive backs to some extent. And it's been a really good team-building strategy. They have done great with the draft capital. Like, they have turned into a, a really good organization that you want to be, which I think is different from hate the Eagles. Yeah. I think you can hate how their fans have treated Vikings fans mm -hmm. when there's been a chance to do so. Although last year went mostly without incident. I don't know. I mean, maybe it was the, just the playoff game and everything else. Um, and the fact, and, and Vikings fans really poked the bear. They, you know, they went anytime anybody goes and does something to the Rocky statue and things yep. like that. You're like, Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, no, that uh, Ken, there really has been a, a bit of a back and forth in, in recent years. I mean, 2018 and 2019, the Vikings got huge wins against the Eagles. So, I mean, we can't, I mean, obviously the Super Bowl supersedes it all. And the fact they did it on your field yeah. and last year, oh, Elshon Jeffrey. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate that. That's what I was trying to think of. I was like, Brandon Marshall, former bear. Who was it? But yeah, Torrey Smith, Elshon Jeffrey. They believed in multiple weapons, offensive, defensive lines. Like this is, yeah, this is how you build a team. And the other thing that I liked that they did was they screwed up with Jalen Rager big time. And they just said, you know what? Back to the old well. Let's get another weapon for our quarterback. Yep. Um, 2020, they lived in reality. They didn't even try to help Carson Wentz. And when Wentz wasn't good enough, they let him go. And uh, just respect, respect for all of that stuff. So I don't know. I mean, I feel like it's a team that Vikings fans want to be their rival and want to really like get behind and hate. But I'm not sure that you quite can really, except for obviously, like I said, the parking lot stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I totally agree with how that front office should be held in high esteem. I mean, all you need to say is they built a Super Bowl winning team with Carson Wentz because we've all seen what Carson Wentz has become since then. And the fact that they made him look MVP status and uh, besides the injury, he would have been the quarterback in the in the Super Bowl. Uh, that's that's incredible to do. But also just how they use the draft every year. Yes, they screwed up with Jade for with Rager, but they moved on quickly. And they kept going back to that, as you said, uh, getting Devontae Smith and bringing in, continuing to bring in more talent, continuing to use the draft picks, not just drafting more stars or letting people pass up on, on defensive line talent and just dropping to them and they'll take them, but also using their picks to bring in other stars like they did uh, with the Titans receiver. It's just, they continue to do this where they bring in more, more pieces to help out their quarterback and, it works every single time it feels like. And yeah, you just want to be that team because that front office has run really well.
Folks, I'm not sure if you realize, but after this week, your hometown football team in Minnesota actually isn't at home all that much the rest of the year. They are on the road nine times this season, which means if you're traveling with the team, then you're going to want to check out game time. It's the fast and easy way to buy tickets to everything football. Oh, and everything else as well. If you're looking for other sports that are starting up this fall, playoffs in baseball, or even comedy shows and concerts as well, check out Game Time. One of the coolest parts about Game Time is that they have flash deals on last-minute tickets and a low-price guarantee, which means if you find something lower in the section or row, they will credit you 110%. You also get images of your seat locations, which helps me a lot because those maps can be kind of confusing. So you can buy tickets in seconds and have them arrive right to your phone. It's great. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use the code INSIDER for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code INSIDER for $20 off your first purchase. Download the GameTime app today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Uh, Curtis asked, do I think that quick passes over the middle are the recipe to beating the Eagles, getting rid of the ball quick before Kirk gets hurt attacking their linebackers? So that is the thing. And this actually leads into a question that I asked you via email that I plan to talk about, but then we let it go off the rails with Taco Bell and other such things, jail. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think that there is a path to being successful versus the Philadelphia Eagles defense despite the fact that they can pressure Kirk Cousins and quick, the quick passing game is obviously where this begins, right? Because the Vikings have receivers that can beat people off the line of scrimmage quickly and they can scheme things that can be quick passes. I mean, there was, you know, it's one of sometimes where this was always like one of my dad's takes. And sometimes you're like, Oh yeah, yeah. Football, you know, whatever. <laughs> and one of his takes, though, with all sports is if something works, just keep doing it until they make you stop. And I 100% agree with this. Like, there was a play where TJ Hawkinson ran like an eight yard in, caught the ball, fell forward for like 12 yards, and we never saw it again. And I was like, that seems good. Like, that, yeah, I like that idea. And why did that not happen again? So there's, you know, there, I think that there will be areas, especially for TJ Hawkinson to get the football. And sometimes it feels like with Kevin O'Connell that he wants Justin Jefferson to get a 30 yard gain every time, or it's like a quick screen. It's like there, there's more to life than a quick out that goes three yards and a 30 yard pass. And yeah, I mean, I do think that attacking their linebackers, there could be some weakness there. Their secondary is banged up. But what did you think uh, when I asked you, like, where's the matchups that the Vikings could actually win? Because we know where it's not. <laughs> yeah, it's not on the offensive line. So you got to get the ball away from quickly. The obvious one is definitely the receivers. Rely on your receivers. Rely on Justin Jefferson uh, to win this one. Because as you said, the secondary is banged up. Uh, that's where you're going to succeed the best is attacking them probably over the middle against the linebackers, uh, not not having Kirk Cousins hold on to that ball for for four or five seconds and waiting for Justin Jefferson to run a 30-yard corner post. Just don't do that. Don't have him run these long, delayed routes. Get him get him the ball quickly and let him run with it because we've seen what he can do in the in the open field. And get him the ball, get Justin or Jordan Addison the ball quickly, get it out of Kirk Cousins' hands quickly. Tell him to process these things faster. Don't give him a whole lot of options because he's always going to take that check down. Uh, it seems like when, especially when he's being rushed and uh, hurried by, by the defensive line. And we saw Philadelphia's defensive line against the New England Patriots just wrecked them. I mean, you cannot allow that defensive line to get going. Even if Fletcher Cox is a little bit of an injury worry at this point, don't, don't let that, don't hold on to the ball for too long. I think that's, that's the biggest key for me. Uh, everywhere else is very questionable because their offense is so good. The Vikings defense did perform pretty well in that first half. I mean, I liked what I saw from Brian Flores' defense, hurrying 
uh, Baker Mayfield. But Jalen Hurts, completely different story than than Baker Mayfield. He'll handle that pressure a little bit better than Baker Mayfield did in that first half. So that concerns me a little bit. There's a lot about this game that concerns me because it does feel like the Eagles will win or should be winning pretty much every battle on the field. But the receivers for the Vikings should be able to have a good day and they got to rely on them. Uh, high times. KG says uh, your dad knows my Madden strategy, which is to keep running the same play. I have in every single Madden since I don't even know what year run the four verticals. And I just adjust the routes. And for some reason, my mouse is not taking that off the screen. That, that sorry. High times. You're stuck on the screen. Uh, that's weird. Okay. Finally there it went off. Um, yeah, I've run four verticals and just adjusted the routes every single play for about eight different Maddens and it's always worked. So yes. And I've run no huddle and that's <laughs> yeah. And I don't run the football ever. I just do what the Vikings are going to have to do against Philly because if they try to run the ball, I think it's going to be a problem. Uh, Dave says Philly gave up 838 yards. There isn't any reason we can't win this game. Well, there are lots of reasons they can't win the game, uh, but I don't disagree with you that it's not like Philadelphia is untouchable. It's not like their defense is so good that there's no way Justin Jefferson could possibly have a great game, right? Like that's kind of the point is and 383 is like oh you know it's a decent amount and i thought that mac jones looked pretty good but you know they scored 20 points it wasn't it wasn't like you know the patriots were running up and down the field a lot of that's playing from behind as well philadelphia is a, a good team a really good team really good defensive line that's long been the problem with um you know kirk cousins when he's facing a, a good defensive line i thought that was the issue when you know they play Tampa Bay is that some of their defensive linemen just dominated that game and made it very difficult to run and you know he got pressured and, and things but yeah this is not like insurmountable impossible it's a Thursday night game like you're gonna have to Manny made this point last night you're going to have to make a play against a great team that wins a game that you're not supposed to win you can so, like you're gonna have to step up in one of these games, and it's probably gonna have to be pretty darn fast. Um, so a couple more things, Jonathan, real quick. Uh, I wanted to um get your take on this. Let's say, because we went into the season saying, hey, you know, it's a lot about the future and everything else, and of course they lose, and we're like, trade everyone, uh, <laughs> fire everybody. But uh if if everything truly was only about the future which by the way, I don't think it is like you got to make the playoffs for me. If you're going to do a competitive rebuild, you don't get to just own one side of that. But uh, if it was only about the future, how would you feel about the future based on what you saw in week one? Like the players who are going to matter in 2025 that are here right now. Uh, I like what I saw from Jordan Addison. He had a pretty good opening game. Um, the defense, I'm still a little shaky on the cornerbacks anyways. Uh, but I think for the most part, they had a semi-solid day for what they were being asked to do that defense overall under Brian Flores. And I think he'll matter in 2025 because I think he's just going to be here because we know what the NFL is doing to him, unfortunately, but I liked what that defense showed uh, for the most part in that game. Yeah. They got beat a little bit in the second half, but also the offense wasn't really helping them out. They were on the field a lot in that second half. So I think overall, I like what the defense showed me. I liked what Jordan Addison showed me. Ivan pace. I'm still upset about the one play where he kind of got out of the way of Baker Mayfield when he probably could have tackled him in, in front of the third, in front of the first down line on that third down. But overall, the fact that he got more play than Brian Osborne, that shows you that this kid is the real deal at that position. And they, they really do love this kid. So that is exciting to see that this kid is just continues to impress and continues to get a lot of play and continues to play well. So uh, for the guys that are going to be here, Jordan Addison showed out and showed why he's a first round pick was pretty, it was pretty evident why they, they targeted him quickly in that first round. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I thought that the secondary on the whole, there were some mistakes, but uh, I thought was pretty solid. I mean, five yards a pass yeah. uh, when they, when they really didn't rack up pressures. So they did have to cover uh, to me, a uh, Caleb Evans had the best game of anybody in the secondary uh, he was targeted six times. He gave up two catches, not too many yards there. Yeah. And 
I really like the physical play when the guy, the tight end caught the ball and he popped the ball out. And that was the play that was challenged. But you just saw some of that physical play from a Caleb Evans and some confidence. And I thought that considering who he was tracking in that game and the receivers and how many snaps he had to play, I thought he had a really good game. Uh, Byron Murphy was, was solid. I mean, yeah, I think that more than anything that the future pieces played well, except for if you consider any of the interior offensive line, future pieces and (laughs) at the right guard position, you certainly got to start wondering uh, if that is going to be part of the future, but on the whole Addison stepping up, making a play right off the bat. I think for as a future game, it wasn't a bad performance. If not, pretty decent one as a whole game you can't lose so uh, i guess we'll have to do the rebuild versus competitive rebuild uh each week one more quick thing and then we've got some prize picks um i want you to give me your biggest like uh like your biggest you know told you so week one and your biggest whoopsie uh for like just what you thought was going to happen what we talked about where was the biggest hey Wow, I nailed this, and then, oh, man, I totally screwed that up. You're trying to get me to give Mike McCarthy some love, aren't you? Possibly. You've I been mean, his biggest hater, and all he does is prove you wrong, asterisk, in the regular season. Since <laughs> since broadcasters now are giving asterisk. Real quick, real quick, that's one of the worst things that I've heard on a broadcast oh my goodness. ever, ever. In the moment, everyone's like, oh, my God. And uh, the referee, excuse me. There was a slight trip there, and this game doesn't count, actually. Please. Oh, please, my goodness. my guy. Please. Anyway, sorry. Read the ahead. room. Read the room. Uh, Who put his mic on? <laughs> if he's like, I got something to say, you're like. No, no, no. no. Not here. Not in this moment. This moment is awesome. Don't on. ruin it. <laughs> right? Yeah, Joe, Joe Buck's like, and we'll see you tomorrow. No, 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 we're not going to see you tomorrow night. That was there was a ball that should have been called a strike back in the second <laughs> inning. I think uh, for that one, I guess I have to do. I guess I have to give props to Mike McCarthy. 40, 40 to nothing on Sunday Night Football opening week of the season was incredible. But also the biggest, yeah, we told you so, is Daniel Jones is not a forty million dollar quarterback. And kind of showed 40 to nothing yet. Yeah, not all his fault. His offensive line is awful and doesn't have anybody to throw to. But the fact that they didn't even score a single point. They're the only team to not score a point on opening weekend is just awful. And you have to feel bad. You have to feel pretty hopeless if you're a Giants fan because you bet your future on this guy. And everybody kind of knew last year that he's not the guy, but apparently two good games at the end of the season against the Vikings got him paid and he'll take it to the bank and won't ever look back. But yeah, that's not, that's not great. I, uh, the other, the other one that's not really a, I told you so, but is the biggest gold of the moment is the bar in Wisconsin giving away free drinks. If Aaron Rodgers loses and all these people racking up huge tabs during the night after Rodgers got injured. And then Xavier Gibson <laughs> returns the kick up or returns the punt return for a touchdown. And they all have to be like, Oh man, we just, <laughs> The news crew there live as it happened is just, that's pure gold. That was good. That was good. Um, So I realized that uh, I went in the email, I sent you a typo and I meant to say, told you so. And uh, instead I wrote like gold you so, which doesn't make any sense, but, but I love how you combined them uh, into uh, a told you so was pure gold. So um, for me, the biggest, I told you so was probably, being skeptical about Justin Fields taking a next step. Like, I think that looked pretty bad in the first game. And I don't know if it's getting better, but even more the told you so is their defense, their defensive line, because I made the joke probably too many times. Like I've never heard of any of these people, but (laughs) the Packers didn't even need to learn their names. They stopped everyone. And like, David Bakhtiari had 30 pass blocks snaps, gave up zero pressures. I mean, they just didn't make the Packers work for it at all. I think that there was maybe six total pressures on Jordan Love. So they are declaring him the next Brett Favre, of course. But when any quarterback gets six pressures in a whole game, and we saw that last year, actually, when quarterbacks could sit there and throw the ball easily with no pressure, 
what happens. And uh, that was Jordan Love in week one. So I, I kind of figured that the Bears defense would be really, really bad. And that's what it looks like. And so I'm going to go that with the told you so. Where I have regrets is Seattle. I was like pumping up Seattle. <laughs> and now they got to go to Detroit. And that could be, they could be owing two very fast. And probably any skepticism I had about Brock Purdy in San Francisco, I might just want to reel that back in. I mean, that just, he just looks so good. Their weapons are incredible. I don't even know if Brock Purdy's a great quarterback, but he sure is a good quarterback for what they do. And man, Brandon Ayuk just made Patrick Peterson pay for it. He made him eat it. So, uh, yeah, there was, as always, it's a, it's a fun game to play each week of like, where were we right? Where were we wrong? I was definitely wrong about Seattle. They got waxed. Um, and yeah, now they have Jason Peters. So their offensive line is in tough shape. That's it's going to be a problem. Um, before we wrap up though, we need to do our prize picks picks, which hold on. I will share the screen. And if you guys have not tried prize picks, am I sharing it yet? Hold on. Yep. Okay. Thank there you. we go. If you guys haven't tried prize picks, it's very fun and it's very simple and it's very not that expensive. So those things match up. If you like fantasy, it's, it's, it's cool. All you have to do is pick more or less for yardage for NFL players, or actually you can do lots of different things. They even got soccer up here for you, Jonathan, Let's got go. some WNBA MLB, but football is really what this is built for. Right. And so you can do more or less with any position. And last week, we did more or less with quarterbacks and I screwed that up and went only one for three, but we'll try to do better this time. I've got wide receivers and tight ends up on the screen. So I'm just going to make my three picks and running backs for receiving yards. So this is all receiving yards. So I'm going to make my picks for the game and I'm going to do all Vikings in Philly. And then we'll see, we'll talk about it, whether it works out, but Jordan love was the only one I got right last week, unfortunately. So let's start out. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to put it on the floor for you, Jonathan, you can uh, make the pick and then I'll decide whether I like what you said or not. Justin Jefferson, more or less yards than 94.5 against Philadelphia. Are you going more or less to me? That's more hands down. I mean, you saw what he did last week or in week one. And uh, we, we talked about for the first 30 minutes of the show, how irritated he was after, after that game. So I think, the Vikings will realize their mistake. I hope they do. And they will just keep feeding him the ball. He's going to get a ton of yards because that secondary for Philadelphia is banged up uh, more yards than 94 and a half. All right. How about we go Jordan Addison more or less than 42.5. I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to say more for Justin Jefferson. So I have already, I already filled it in. I'm picking it. Jordan Addison more or less than 42.5. 42.5 seems kind of low. I mean, if they're going to feed Justin Jefferson the ball, it's going to open up space for Jordan Addison to succeed. And we saw how fast he is. I mean, he's in, he he showed some incredible speed on the field on Sunday. I think he's going to get more than 42 and a half. I, <clears throat> this is a good one. This is a good one because there is going to be a lot of attention on Justin Jefferson, but I do wonder about, them and and Ken mentions Darius Slay loading up on Jefferson and forcing Cousins to go other places. So will that result in Addison getting more yardage, or does short yardage benefit T.J. Hawkinson and K.J. Osborne a little bit more than it does getting a deep shot to Jordan Addison? I tend to agree with you that I would also go more on this. I think they're just going to have to throw the ball yeah. a lot, and, and that's a major part of this is they're just going to have to throw the ball a lot. And how about Devonte Smith, one of the main targets of Philadelphia, 63.5. Does he get more or less than that against the Vikings defense? 63.5 yards. That's going to be tough. I I'm trying to figure out what he did last week. Uh, what his full numbers were last week, 60, 63 and a half for Devonte Smith. I, with what they have in AJ Brown, but we saw what the Vikings could do last week defensively. I want to lean towards more because I think, if the Vikings are just going to pass and this ends up becoming a shootout, there's going to be a lot of yards on the field. This might have the chance to become the, the chargers dolphins matchup from week one. So I'll go more here. 
Okay. I like that as well. So we're going all more. We think it's going to be a shootout, lots of throwing Justin Jefferson, Jordan Addison and Devonte Smith. And as you can see, it's 20 bucks to win a hundred. And the uh, nice thing about prize picks is if you guys want to sign up and you use the promo code purple, if you want to play along, uh, if you disagree and want to bet against all of my picks, which might be a good idea. I don't know. <laughs> I've, I've never been good at anything like this, like fantasy of any kind, never been good at it, but maybe this year we'll do well with these. So we're going all more with uh, Addison Jefferson and uh, Devonte Smith. But if you use the promo code purple at prizepicks.com, uh, you could play along and you can compare ours. And when we do the segment each week, you can let us know how you did, but they will match uh, anything up to a hundred dollars. So if you put in 50, they'll match that you get 50 more and then you can play along. And, and as you can see, it's not going to break the bank. That's how much I spend at Taco Bell today. So, um, you know, we'll be doing the prize picks each week and it'll be fun. We'll keep track. And Jonathan's tweeting out the segments and stuff. So anyway, all right. So uh, Smith had nothing last week, so they're going to get him the ball. I, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. I, I think Philly's going to throw the ball um, against a lot of those Brian Flores blitzes. I don't think they're just going to grounded pound all night long. So uh, Jonathan, um, what are you picking for a score here? I imagine you're picking Philly to win the game. Unfortunately. Yeah. I feel like Philadelphia will win this one. Um, for a score, I'll go, I'll go 34-28. I don't know, 35-28. I feel like this is going to be a high-scoring game. There's going to be a lot of action, so I'll go a high score. Yeah, I, I, I think that the Vikings understand what's happening here. They understand how quickly this can unravel yep. and how much they need this game. And Philadelphia is going to have no trouble for their home opener being up for that game and everything yeah. else and all the pomp and circumstance and – it's a night game. I mean, it just gets pretty wild there. So I would, I would agree. I, I think there's going to be a lot of points. I might go a little lower. I might go like 27, 24. I mean, I, I, I do think that this will be close and maybe closer than Vegas thinks. I think the Vikings will cover, but I don't know if they could pull it off with the offensive and defensive line. So that that's yeah. where I would go for this game. But if they win, then the discussion changes completely uh, from the tone of the last couple of days. And we'll all pretend that none of it happened with uh <laughs> trade Kirk to the jets and everything else. So uh, anyway, well tomorrow night, the plan is as of this moment and we'll see how internet plays into it and everything else. I'll be in Philadelphia on Wednesday night. Plan is to stream, have another conversation with you guys. One more before we get to game time. And then Thursday night, obviously the game late, late, late. There will be a podcast after that on the show and uh, we'll go from there. So thanks for your time, Jonathan. Thanks for everybody for watching slash listening. And uh, wow, another football game. I mean, right out of the gate here. We'll see you guys soon.